Alright, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Oh my god, I smell shenanigan! I have no idea what's going on, but I am excited! Yeah, baby, yeah! Ruby, ever dance with the devil in the bed? Inconceivable! Cowabunga. I thought this was a party! It's two Nerfskis and a podcast. With Eric and Jeff. Welcome back to Haddonfield, Illinois, where people are going to fucking die. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another fine installment of Two Nerdskis in a Podcast. The one episode, the one series where each episode, Two Nerdskis like to talk about everything pop culture and entertainment. Of course, I'm one of those Nerdskis. This is Eric. And I'm Jeff. And welcome back to Horror Month. Here at Two Nutskis and a podcast, the where greatest, every, the everything, the most wonderful time of the year for you, yes. <laughs> but yes, uh, all month long, we're going to be talking about nothing but horror. And so, um, we got quite a lineup for you, but you know, we're going to keep that all a secret until each episode is revealed. But until then, so we just looked at, uh, in the past episode, we just looked at uh, the original Halloween. And um, before we get started with today's subject, in terms of Halloween, so real question for you, because you are you've watched all the Halloween sequels. Right. I pretty much have not. Um, the only Halloween sequel I've seen is today's subject, which is the 2018 Halloween movie, which serves as a soft reboot because it's meant to be a direct continuation of the very first film and so um as jeff told me um prior to just hopping on please what did you say about uh what did you say about watching uh all those sequels and whatnot so watching all the uh probably when i was a early teenager that's when i was really checking out all of the halloween movies and they all had a very unique quality to them. And I think that's kind of what makes, that's why I think the two best uh, horror franchises out there are Nightmare on Elm Street and Halloween. Uh, Even though they are both guilty of repeating plot elements a lot, each movie has its own unique trait about them. And to an extent that also applies to Friday the 13th, but I think they just stand out most in uh, in those two particular franchises because Halloween, at this point, with how many times it's either been rebooted, canceled out other sequels, remade, and then rebooted again, it's pr- pretty much at this point, it's just a big fucking choose-your-own-adventure. You know, if you... If you like Laurie and Michael being related, then you can follow Halloween 2 and then probably just skip to H2O. If you don't like that, you can just skip to Halloween uh, 2018. If you like Michael being influenced by uh, by a cult of some kind, then you can start with uh, Halloween 4, 5, and 6, though Halloween 4 doesn't mention any of that shit because in actuality, all that 
all that crap was basically made up on the spot during the production of Halloween five. And they didn't, they didn't even know what it was. They just kind of introduced this character that they would later explain is the leader of this cult. But they basically shot that for Halloween five and just left whoever was going to develop Halloween six to figure out the rest. It was really that sloppy. And, uh, so then Halloween six, you know, whole production problems right there and that performed so bad that jamie lee curtis was brought back in halloween h2o to uh for one celebrate the 20th anniversary of the first film but to also continue straight from halloween 2 and it uh i think halloween h2o is great and honestly i would uh, i would even I, I even think you would like it eric uh it uh especially with uh with the new movies we have coming out now it's kind of interesting to compare and contrast how those uh, how those movies are kind of tackling uh both Michael and Laurie and I I'll actually uh, get into that a little later with um uh but then Rob Zombie comes out with with his first remake which I don't hate it but I think giving Michael a detailed backstory is a huge mistake and doesn't work uh it may it could have worked maybe but rob zombie just isn't that good of a writer to tackle such material i think Mm, uh but part of what makes me enjoy it so much is rob zombie includes a lot of great character actors in his film so all throughout halloween uh 2007 you know, you have actors like D, uh, D. Wallace, Ken Foray, Sid Haig, uh, Clint Howard, William Forsyth, all these great character actors just showing up for, for little for little brief moments, but definitely getting some uh some great uh in the short time that they're in it, some great scenes. Like the uh uh yeah, when you get a chance, check out the uh the bathroom fight uh from from Halloween 2007 with uh, featuring Ken Foray and uh, not trust me. We'll, uh, we'll go back to Ken Foray later in the month. Little tease <laughs> right there. Um, when I think of really shitty moments from Halloween, just the franchise in general, I often think of, unfortunately Halloween resurrections and where I don't Buster Rhymes. I, I don't know what you're talking about. That doesn't, fuck you, it doesn't exist. It doesn't fucking exist. Fuck you, it exists. I'm talking about Buster Rhymes trying to kung fu Michael Myers' ass. Every goddamn terrible thing that was infecting horror movies in the early 2000s is all over Halloween Resurrection. It's, it's admittedly. Because, like I admitted in the first episode, in the in the Halloween seventy eight episode, Resurrection is the first Halloween movie I saw in full. Because at that time, that was well, I apologize. But at the time, that was the latest movie, uh, and so that and the original movie were the first two Halloween films that I owned, and I I watched it a lot, and. I, I thought it was so cool and edgy. But again, this is like 2005, so of course I did. And, <laughs> uh, but yeah, looking back, it's fucking terrible, but it's kind of funny at the same time. 
Uh, so yeah, I I would like to talk about Resurrection at some point because that's a it's a special little movie. Anyway, I'm sure it is. Anyway, uh, the first Halloween movie I saw on the big screen was Rob Zombie's Halloween Two in two thousand nine. I also and, apologize for that, and I left thinking, "What the fuck did I just watch?" And I know. Some people like it, and there's a morbid part of me that appreciates Rob Zombie just not giving a fuck and just going as batshit crazy as he can with his visual style. Uh, but I mean, it's if you've seen a Rob Zombie music video, you've basically seen Halloween too. Uh, I like how ballsy it is with the violence, uh, but. It's a god-awful movie, and at that point, it, it underperformed quite a bit. Uh, it still made money, but compared to the first film, it definitely underperformed, and the franchise was just kind of in pure limbo. They were There were talks about uh, you know doing a third film continuing from Rob Zombie's, uh, uh, from Rob Zombie's films, uh, but he wasn't going to direct, but you know, he said he wasn't going to direct Halloween 2, and look how that turned out. So I, I'm i sure with if the price was right, he would have been back. Um, but with uh, with the rights going, with the rights all over the place, and it was all just a giant clusterfuck. There would be various startups, and then rumors, whispers. Uh, this director's attached. Uh, no, he's not. Uh, we got this writer on board. Oh, he's fired. And it was like that for a number of years. And there was one that I remember being very close to uh, becoming launched into production. I think it was going to be called Halloween Returns. And I don't remember the plot too much that was revealed, but I think essentially... Uh, Michael is, Michael escapes from the from the asylum again on the verge of his execution and you know escapes and does this Michael Myers shit. I I don't really know what the character aspect was going to be like. I I kind of I kind of want to look into that a little more. Uh but yeah, I remember they had a a filming date and everything lined up, but uh but unfortunately the uh, the Weinstein company, uh, who were the prime owners at the time, lost the rights. And so uh, it was all so that had to be canceled. And then everything was kind of up for grabs at that point. And at that point, I just kind of stopped caring about about seeing a sequel or uh, or just a new Halloween film and franchise, just because I felt like Every possibility has been explored. There's nothing you can really do. Maybe it's just time for it to... Yeah, I went out with a whimper. That sucks. But, you know, still got all these other films to, to look back on. I was very thirsty. Um, <laughs> but then, out of fucking nowhere, John Carpenter makes a special announcement saying that I'm I'm paraphrasing, but he said I think he he just posted a picture of Michael Myers and just said it's time for a resurgence. I'm uh, there will be a new Halloween film directed by David Gordon Green and written by him and Danny McBride of all fucking people. 
I was surprised and, too when I found out that Danny McBride was going to be attached as a writer because when I think of Danny McBride, I'm thinking "Fuck Life" from Pi- uh, Pineapple Express. Um, I'm thinking of just like all the comedic things. I'm thinking like, yeah, Hermione Granger just stole all of our shit, and uh, this is the end. Um, so yeah. comedy horror well, was hey, not hey. my first thought. I'm, 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 I am not done, motherfucker. You sit the well, fuck down. Well, well, I had to pipe in on that front, but oh well. <laughs> I'm not done here. Oh, we're shut up. Go ahead and continue. We're done when I say we're done. All right, fine, <clears throat> Walter White. Keep going. <laughs> so after, uh, so Carpenter is, uh, so he said, you know, uh, that they're writing and they're producing. And then he drops a little note at, at the very end that just made my jaw drop and smile. He said that maybe I'll produce and, and do the score. And my head just fucking exploded right there because John Carpenter has not been involved in the franchise at all since Halloween three. So they uh, like, uh, at some point we'll we'll maybe maybe possibly talk about Halloween three. I don't know. We'll we'll see. It's a pretty pretty jam packed month. Uh, he wanted to turn that into an anthology series, and that uh, that didn't go over too well. And he basically said, "Fuck this, I'm done." Michael Myers was supposed to definitively die in two. There's nothing else you can do with him. And so part four becomes in development and then he tried getting involved, but couldn't come to an agreement. So he and Deborah Hill sold off their shares to Mustafa Akkad, who was basically uh, spearheading the franchise uh, pretty much, pretty much by himself up until uh, resurrection, I believe. And, uh, or no. uh, Yeah. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Resurrection. And, he basically just distanced himself and almost came back for H2O, but, but he didn't. Uh, so it just seemed like, you know, he seems pretty retired and seems content with doing what he's doing now, which is, I don't know, probably just smoking weed and making music, which, Hey, fucking, <laughs> fucking respect, man. And, um, but just knowing that he was involved in some way, was the one making the announcement. It was exciting. And so I wanted to see what they were going to do with it. And then they announced Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back. Not only that, like she does this cool little, uh, cool little uh, promotional photo shoot of her in her old Laurie Schrode outfit. It's like, holy shit, this, this is fucking legit. Like they're they're going all in, and after that, I I was like, okay, let's let's see what happens. And as the uh, as more information came out, they said that they were going to just follow the first film. They were going to ignore the events of Halloween Two, which, if you've seen it, you know that's the one. That's where it's revealed that Laurie Strode is Michael's sister. And this was an opportunity for them to wipe the slate clean and start fresh. And that that definitely pissed a lot of people off who are uh, 
fans of those sequels, which I I am too for the most part. But even then, I I had to admit, you know, it's yeah. There's after fucking resurrection. There's no. There's nowhere you could go, and. So it uh, so not only did I believe in the talent behind it, the fact Carpenter was there, the fact Jamie Lee Curtis was there, and they were clearly from the get-go wanting to honor and respect that first film. And you know that first trailer drops, I think it looks fantastic, and I buy my tickets the moment they're available. And uh, before I uh, get into my thoughts, uh, Eric. What was when this announcement happened? Like, did you have any any thoughts on it, or did you just think, "Oh, okay, that's cool"? Yeah, I really, um, I really didn't. I mean, like, I mean, like, I was just like one of those people, like, really, they're making another one of these. All right, fine. All right, let's just see how this turns out. Because I, because I was like at that point of like. Well, they've done too many of these Halloween movies. It's like, fuck. It's like, you can't kill Freddy Krueger. You can't kill um, Jason Voorhees. So apparently Michael can't die either. So I'm like, um, God, why bother? Like, and it's the same shit over and over. So wh- what kind of a fucking thing are they going to do? Well, you know, eventually I saw the first trailer, I think. And I'm like, huh, this is interesting. I was also, also like you, I was surprised to see that Carpenter was coming back in some involvement in some way. Um, seeing Jamie Lee Curtis, obviously, um, Jamie Lee Curtis. I, I, like, I was surprised that Jamie Lee Curtis was coming back, considering how she was like, kill me off in Resurrections at the beginning. And uh, that's what happened. Obviously, they're following a different timeline in this movie. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I was. I didn't really have any really huge opinion on the movie in general. I remember. Um, I mentioned in the previous podcast, the previous episode, that I saw the panel. I, I, I attended the panel at San Diego Comic-Con in 2018 for Halloween 2018. And then, obviously, there's that moment of Jamie Lee Curtis and the fan, um, which was very heartfelt. Um, but, yeah, I remember seeing the footage. Um, coincidentally, my mom was with me in Hall H. She got dragged, too, into this um, long story. But uh, she... I just remember she was like, well, I'm not watching that movie at all. <laughs> and she's like, hey, fair enough. And so I remember, um, I remember, you know, I used to work at a movie theater um, in Hollywood and they had display cases set up for, you know, the hollow for at least the Michael Myers costume. So, you know, the jumpsuit and of course the iconic mask. Um, and, uh, it was it was a big deal at the time for sure, and um, I remember eventually uh, um, the way I saw it was I actually so that day it was a day off work, but I wanted to like just go watch movies that day, and I basically the first um, I essentially went in to see the 2018 Suspiria remake. Actually, um, by the way, that's a very underrated uh, movie from 2018. That's probably one of the best movies I've seen in the past uh at least past 10 years or so very unique and um should probably ch- talk about it at some point but and i just i'm like well it, and this was in hollywood by the way so i like you know i live in the, the san fernando valley 
I uh, was thinking about, I was going to go back, but I decided like, you know, I'm going to like eat a meal first and then like maybe because the movie was pretty long. I was just like, you know, traffic's, it's like four o'clock traffic's about to like hit. I'm like, well, I'm going to wait for traffic to die down. So I'm like, well, fuck it. Halloween 2018's playing. You know, I already saw a horror movie today. Let's make it a double feature. So I get a free ticket because as an employee, I was able to get one. Um, and I, uh, I got a ticket. I sat down. Um, I watched it and I, um, I thought it was pretty good. You know, I, I, you know, I'm like, I had never seen, now keep in mind, never saw any of the previous installments aside from just the very first Halloween from 78. And I, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really, um, think much other than that. Um, but from all intents and purposes, I was just going to say like, yeah, yeah, this was a pretty damn great sequel. Um, I mean, like it definitely has its own share of problems. You know, I'm not going to deny that, but Hey, you know, um, yeah, I had a good time with it. I, I liked the approach they went with it. And, um, yeah, I don't know if, um, I would have done another sequel, maybe just end it there and just, you know, let the imagination run wild afterwards. But, you know, Halloween Kills is coming out later this month. So what the fuck do I know? Um, but yeah, no, Halloween 2018, I thought was pretty great. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I'm going to turn it back over to you then. So, uh, so I, what did you I, think of the movie? I will say, um, although it hits very familiar plot beats, uh, I'd say it's it's a better Jurassic World. Uh, <laughs> That's where, saying a lot. <laughs> uh, but I will say uh, it was just such a fucking blast just hearing the music, seeing Michael Myers as in his probably like the scariest he's uh, uh, actually no, I'll, I'll take that back uh, even though like the Rob Zombie Halloween movies aren't good uh, Tyler Maine's portrayal of Michael Myers is out fucking standing uh, so he, he's definitely probably the most intimidating but the way James Jude Courtney portrayed Michael it it felt perfect it felt he felt like that that motiveless drone essentially like not targeting anyone specific for any particular reason he just has to kill and he did such a great job embodying that that character um and just and yeah like like i said like that one one moment in particular i will never forget how fucking huge my smile was was that that three minute tracking shot of Michael just walking through the neighborhood on Halloween night, the music with the music playing and it, and all these little great homages to, uh, because, because even though this movie creates its own brand new continuity, it doesn't forget the other films to not completely piss off fans of those films because there's, there's tributes to Halloween two, Halloween three. Uh, there's def there's one uh, there's one whole sequence that's that's an homage to H two O. Like there, these references are all over the place, 
And just seeing that level of care and attention from the uh, from everyone behind the camera, it uh, it's definitely one of the most as a horror fan. It's probably the most fun time I've ever had at at the theater. Like despite well, here's my, how I knew. Sorry, go ahead. Like despite what problems I have with the movie, it uh, just that that whole experience, just seeing my uh, like my gateway into horror being so well portrayed back on the big screen. And the fact that this movie was so goddamn successful like that, that was just like the little cherry on top that Michael Myers made this grand comeback and was all, and people actually gave a shit and supported the movie because this movie was made on a budget of $15 million and grossed $251 million. Yeah, it was a quarter. It was definitely a smaller a quarter, budget. Yeah, a quarter of a billion dollars for a forty-year-old slasher franchise. Like, how fucking crazy is that, man? Like, like even, even like horror movies that are like these big event event films, like Freddy versus Jason. Like, uh, even like for two thousand three, uh, over over a hundred million dollars is very profitable, but. I don't know. I I feel like I feel like such a such a big icon like Michael Myers returning in this way in the first time for the first time in the age of social media. I think really helped spread the hype for this movie uh, because it's it was an easy way to get the message out about this movie coming out and. Uh, made people look back on the on the franchise and grow a new found appreciation for it. And yeah, the night I saw it, man, that that theater was packed to the brim. It was great. And you know, there was applause when Michael first put his mask back on. Uh actually the moment John Carpenter's name showed up in the credits, everyone was wooing. They were clapping it was it was wonderful everyone was so excited to be there and yeah like i'm yeah i'll I'll shut the fuck up uh and stop gushing about that experience but but yeah uh no matter what i say going forward it will never compromise that first time viewing that i had on on opening night well here's how i knew that this movie was going to be interesting so so side note so the sneak peek that they showed at San Diego Comic-Con was that three-minute tracking sequence, to which I'm like, fuck, that's good shit right there. But oh yeah, um, what really, what really kind of sold me when I started watching it was that opening sequence. So, so like Michael, so they established that Michael's been at Smith's Grove, Smith's Grove for over 40 years. So after, so they established that after his failed attempt to kill Laurie Strode. The police did catch him and he was returned back and he has been there for over 40 years. Um, so these true, cr- true crime podcasters um, show up and they have Michael's mask. And uh, so they have like all these like inmates or patients, if you will, like scattered throughout the courtyard 
and like they're all doing their own little things and michael's just standing there uh and uh he's standing to his back um and to the podcasters and like the one the one of the podcasters just just trying to interview trying to speak to him michael says not a word at all but the moment he brings out the mask you can kind of tell even though michael even though michael probably can't see it he probably realizes what the guy's doing and that's when you re- and then the moment that every patient just goes fucking nuts upon seeing her or whatnot that's when you realize michael is the true uh real evil again um and then it cuts into one of the best things i've ever seen and so by the way so here's my rant um i like opening title sequences um they really kind of showcase um they really showcase uh just in just like i grew up with it let's put it that way and i miss seeing opening title sequences in movies it gets you hyped Exactly. You know, it builds the hype up, you know, like, sure, you get like a cold open to a movie and then you go quick title, quick title card of the movie and then go right back to the movie, a.k.a. every single fucking uh, MCU film, basically, at this point, except for the Guardians movies. Um, But seeing basically a remade version of the 1978 opening credits now done with an updated version of the halloween theme now done by john carpenter with some percussion basically sounds the exact same except with a little bit more of a beat there um he actually then, he actually collaborated with uh with his son yeah uh what was his name cody right yep yeah cody and then they also had daniel davies um but what's great is that um you can see that it's very similar to the original opening sequence but this time the pumpkin has been like uh, like shelved, it's been rotted. But as they slowly zoom into the pumpkin um, and the credits roll, you see that the pumpkin, obviously, so what they did, they basically just shot a pumpkin that was uh, rotting. And then what they did is for the opening credits, they did it, they showed the pumpkin in reverse so that it looks like the pumpkin is resurrecting itself to look like the jack-o'-lantern that it did in the original opening credits. And therefore... It zooms into the eyes of the pumpkin, and I'm like, "All right, I'm fucking in. We're fact, getting a proper Halloween sequel. This fucking looks awesome." The fact that they use the same font as the yeah. first movie too, yeah, exactly, absolutely. So, um, and that and that was another great thing too. And then, so let's talk about Laurie Strode. So obviously, yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is back as Laurie, and. <clears throat> You know, they do things different this time around. So, I mean, like, I think because I haven't seen I haven't seen Halloween H2O and I'm curious to see it. And the way you you've way you've talked about it, I'm like, I've always heard that it was one of the better sequels as well, too. So I'm very interested in seeing it. But like um, this time around, because like because I you know, you have to remember in this day of age, like you are no one wants to see no one really wants to see a woman who can't defend herself. When, I mean, I'm not saying like there aren't tough, strong women in horror. There are, but like in this day of age, it's like, um, you can't have a woman who's just screaming and running for their lives anymore. They need to be tough and shit as nails or whatnot. Um, they can't just be scream Queens and you know, it's not PC. I don't know. 
it's the culture we live in. But so the way they work around it for, um, and I think this is what probably makes Jamie Lee Curtis's performance so great is great in this. And so that they show that ever since that night from 1978, um, she has been living in a state of PTSD, very much like haunted by the events and is like prepped herself for the day that Michael will eventually escape and come after her because for whatever reason he will come after her. So she's been prepping herself. Uh, she is suffering from alcoholism. Um, rare. Ha- she lives on a very fortified property um, and she's basically alienated herself from everyone, even her own daughter who was taken away from her when she was young. And uh, the only person she really talks to is her uh, granddaughter, um, Allison. And so, um, yeah, I remember when uh, the podcast, so the podcasters arrive at her place and like the moment they get to the gate, it's like all these like cameras like are disabled, like um, all these locks are like turned off or whatnot. No, yeah, they reach the, they reach the, the house and like you see like you hear and see all these locks getting like disabled and unbolted or whatnot. It's like Lori is not fucking around. Let's put it that way. And Lori's just like, I know he's coming back. And when he comes out, I'll be ready for him. And like, you just have to wonder like what that does to someone, you know, like obviously, you know, alternate Lori handled it differently in um, Halloween, the original Halloween two and H2O. But like, this is a Lori who is like, clearly has learned from her dramatic experience and is like, I'm not going to become the victim this time. When I see Michael, I'm going to fucking kill him. Um, and uh, I was curious how you felt about this interpretation. Then, if so, if, if I'm if I'm being totally honest, I think Lori was done. So, what's kind of strange is how uh, I think H2O does Lori better and, but doesn't do Michael very well. But 2018, I think does Lori. Okay. But does Michael incredibly well. So it's, there's pros and cons to, to both versions. I feel, but in terms of how, uh, I feel with Lori in, in Halloween 2018, I feel it's taken a little too far. Like I, I get the because the elements of PTSD were uh, were definitely touched on in H two O, but it was done much more subtly. I feel I feel like in a much more realistic manner. How you know she is traumatized by what happened, and she's an overprotective parent over uh, uh over her son, you know, young Josh Hartnett, and. Uh, and around Halloween, you know, you know, she doesn't allow him to celebrate it at all, really. And she still sees visions of Michael, but, you know, she's trying to subdue that. And, you know, yeah, she's a closeted alcoholic. And Halloween 2018 kind of repeats some of those same beats, but takes it a little too far where, like, I understand, you know, people will handle grief in their own way. Uh, or you know something traumatic that happened to them, but after watching 
uh, the original and 2018, like straight back to back. It kind of hit me that it, it doesn't feel like a very organic way to take her. Like, uh, like the struggling with, with PTSD and battling alcoholism. Like I totally get that, but being full fledged apocalyptic prepped survivalist over, over an incident like that, uh, that happened in the first film. Like I get it. It's a terrible fucking thing that, that happened, but it feels like much more shit should have happened to get to that level. Like that, that's just how I view it personally. Like it's not done bad at all. And Jamie Lee Curtis does is fucking great in this movie. Like I, like no matter how I feel, like, you know, just seeing her back is wonderful to see. And she's clearly giving it her all, you know, she was even an executive producer on this movie. And so clearly she feels very strong and passionate about where the character is going. And yeah, absolutely go for it. And I, I hope that when this new trilogy wraps up, my opinion is able to change. Uh, but as of, as of right now, I, you know, it just feels like shit that's being recycled from H2O and done, uh, just not portrayed as well. You know, there's still the alcoholism. There's still the distant family member, uh, that she's struggling to maintain a relationship with. Like it's, it's all basically there, but I feel like H2O just did it better. And, uh, because there was also a, uh, you know, for those who haven't, who haven't seen it, you know, there's, there's still the, the theme of Lori trying to overcome, uh, trying to confront her past and overcome the fear. And that kind of felt more powerful to me than, uh, than just her wanting to fuck up Michael. Like I, I totally get the reason. I just feel like, like if H2O never existed, I wouldn't think twice of it, but because, H2O does exist and tried something similar with the character. It's kind of interesting to look back and compare and contrast. And uh, cause honestly, I don't, nothing like this has really ever been done in all of horror where, you know, you have a, you have an actress essentially rebooting her character twice, which is pretty fucking crazy to think about. But, um, Shit, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> no, it's that's that's great. But uh, so essentially, I mean, so essentially, it just sounds like you don't have a problem with how Laurie is portrayed in the movie. It's just you felt that since H two O pretty much did the same thing, you feel like they did it a little bit better with her as opposed to what they did in this movie. Which yeah, you're still you're still not opposed to, but you feel like they did her justice more in uh h2o uh, essentially but it's it's kind of uh, it's kind of funny how uh how laurie is obsessed with going after michael but because they took out the uh the family connection between them michael is just reverted back to being the uh the motiveless killing machine that he is 
And so he kind of doesn't like, I'm sure like the moment he, uh, he kind of saw her and everything, uh, and, you know, later on, you know, has the urge to, to finish what he started all those years ago. But for the most part, it looks like Michael doesn't really even give a shit about going after Lori. She just kind of like, they just kind of meet up through, uh, circumstances and uh we'll talk about that god awful subplot later on uh i if you've seen the movie i'm pretty sure you know what i'm talking about well Um, before we get there then um do you want to talk about how the hell he escapes because that's fucking brutal especially what happens to the poor father and son so i i like how this movie takes its time it uh you don't there's not the first kill of the movie happens like almost 40 minutes in and yeah, it, it's definitely a callback to, uh, to, to the first film, but uh, yeah, the fact that they, they go there, like they fucking kill a kid and like, they don't uh, show the kid's death, but they basically are yeah, they like Michael's about to kill the kid and then cut to the next scene. No, he, he snaps his neck. I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, no, like, yeah. Well, I, I thought that, like, they were about to show the kid's death and then cut. No, no, like, uh, watch that scene again when, when you get a chance and you, you hear the neck snap. Uh, interesting. I'll yeah, check and, that out. and so that, uh, so that kind of just, when that happened, that just kind of shocked me because I was like, oh, shit, like, Michael's not going to hold back. And that just kind of made him scarier. And which means, yeah, sorry, go ahead. And, uh, and then, you know, as the, as the film progresses, I would say probably, um, as much as I, uh, I love that tracking shot that, that we mentioned earlier, but I love the bathroom scene in this movie. It, uh, I felt like this is where James Jude Courtney really masters, Michael's body. Language. That was fucking brutal. Yeah, the struggle between one of the male podcaster and then him, just like Michael. Pretty, I mean, like Aaron. His name's Aaron. No one gives a shit. He's about to die, but like you know, he gives a good effort. But Michael's just, you know, he's pure evil, just heartless, um, emotionless. Basically, gives no struggle. Um, he's just basically with. I mean, like even though the guy is struggling and trying his best like Michael it's pretty much no effort Michael just kills him in the bathroom and then but, uh, like, oh sorry go ahead but no and that well I was just gonna say like you know his co-host is hiding in one of the stalls and just like she hears the commotion and then the moment she sees the feet of Michael at the at you know at the bottom of the stall she's like crap but um, so one thing that I, I really want to mention about this um, about this sequence is when uh, when you go back and really analyze it, there's so much subtle detail going on. So when uh, uh, so when the two podcasters you know first pull in, uh, you know at the start of that scene, you hear the sounds of you know like of of uh, tools going off, you know because they're you know it, it's also a, a mechanic shop, right. And blurred in the background, you see Michael walk by out of focus uh, with Aaron in the in the foreground. Right. And then, yeah. 
and then you just hear the sounds of the it holds on that shot for a while and then you just hear the sounds in the in the garage stop and then a couple minutes later uh or no yeah seconds later uh you know when when the chick is asking where the where the bathroom is blurred in the background you see michael that's right killing, yeah you see michael kills killing the guy that's killing right, the yeah. mechanic and then when Aaron uh, hears hears her screaming, you know, and goes to goes to check out check out. You see the aftermath of Michael's murder, and you know his jaw is just completely ripped open, like like he's fucking King Kong or something, and and then that immediately cuts to Michael dropping the mechanic's teeth in front of her. Very creepy, uh, creepy scene, but. That hasn't really been done in the in the Halloween movies where it focuses on the aftermath of one of his killings and it just leaves your imagination running wild with what exactly happened right there. And they do that a few times in this movie. And I feel every time they did, it's it it only adds to Michael's presence. And yeah, that that whole struggle scene. Uh, I think that's well. For one, it, it's a it's a great little uh, tip of the hat to Halloween H two O. The scene played out differently, but you know the the setting and everything. It's definitely it's definitely a little little tribute right there. And the way it wraps up, and you just hear this slowed down, uh, slow down rendition of, of the theme. And just in slow motion, Michael opens the trunk, slowly puts the mask on, closes the trunk. Beautiful, fucking. That beautiful. was a great and, shot. Yeah, and it's it's like in that in that moment, like I was expecting that to be like a, an applause moment, but no, nah, everyone was was silent because I think we were all just taking it in, like, holy shit. Michael Myers is officially back. This is fucking cool. <laughs> so then let's talk. So then, um, so like, I guess the subplot is, you know, Karen. So Mike, um, Lori's daughter, Karen, you know, she's living, you know, a nice quiet life with her husband and her daughter. And, um, her daughter, Allison is basically getting ready to, um, getting ready for Halloween with her friends. And like, they actually mentioned, like, uh, they talk about Michael and it's like, yeah, I heard that like Michael and Lori were sisters, like, or I mean, siblings like, nah, that was just a rumor. I mean, it's a, it's a callback to the original sequels, but the point is like, yeah, they, like Jeff mentioned, there are all these Easter eggs and that's definitely one of them. Um, and then, and then like, so after the, after the murder, of course, Michael slowly makes her slowly makes his way back to Haddonfield and uh, um, after that tracking shot, so one of the scenes that really stood out to me was like, so when um, Allison's friend, best friend Vicky, um, there are there are basically babysitting this kid Julian, right? And like it, she's really having an. I mean, like uh, they're having a nice time with Julian, and like Julian's you know, the fucking best. <laughs> yeah, Julian's a good kid, but like I, I was so. You know, Vicky and Vicky and Julian are, you know, they're up in Julian's bedroom and she's like, 
tucking him in the bed and just like having fun with him and like to hear a noise right and i'm like and i and you know what like i liked vicky like i thought she was a cool character she didn't seem to be like a complete stuck-up bitch like laurie's friends were kind of like in the original movie um that's just my impression at least i got uh sorry pj <laughs> but uh um i remember uh just like when i hear it i'm like oh no please don't tell me she opens the closet door there's michael i'm like how the f-? first of my question my first question like how the fuck did michael get in there to which i'm like wait quit stop that don't even ask that question but i'm just like no vicky dice <laughs> i'm like no and then obviously her I boyfriend her dies. She's like, oh shit. <laughs> and then obviously, you know, her boyfriend dies, but like my biggest fear is like, no, not Julian. Not Julian. By the way, <laughs> no, never mind. But yeah, Julian is just I'm just like, don't kill the kid, don't kill the kid. You already killed a kid on screen already earlier. And uh thank God later when they arrive and they see when the cops are when the sheriff arrives. By the way, the sheriff is played by Will Pack. Bill Pat, not uh, I was about to say Bill Paxton, but Bill Paxton, may he rest in peace. Bill Will Patton, Will Patton, like who is like one of the best like character actors you've seen out there. Like been a whole bunch of st- been a whole bunch of things. Remember the Titans, by the way. Um, you know he sh- when they all show up, t- and like obviously um, Vicky and her boyfriend are dead, but thank God Julian's alive. And I just I just thought to myself, thank God he's alive. I'm like, oh, not the kid. So, so honestly, like, Thank you, Jesus, I kind of, uh, I kind of feel like it was a missed opportunity f- to not make Will Patton uh, like an ex-husband of Lori, because ah. it's, it feels like, uh, you know, because they uh, during Lori's uh, first introduction scene, they uh, they mentioned that she's twice divorced, and as soon as, uh, as soon as she. Uh, you know, like as soon as you know, Lori's chasing Michael, and so, uh, and, and so is the, uh, uh, so is Will Patton. He, uh, you know, the first time that they speak to each other, it's like, okay, you, you guys clearly know each other. It looks like you have a history of some kind, but no, I, I guess not. So, I don't know. I feel like they would have just that would have just added an extra little layer of de- of, of depth, I'd say. And then, like, I, I think they also revealed that, like. His character, um, Frank Hawkins, his, his character is the sheriff's deputy who actually arrested Michael all those years ago off screen. And so uh, Michael eventually, um, well, Michael doesn't go after him, but like it's kind of a missed opportunity for Michael to kill or to go after him. I guess it's like you think Michael would be like uh, maybe hold a little bit of a grudge, but. So there's another character we haven't talked about yet, and that's um, God. What the hell is his name? Uh, Doctor Rambir Sar- Sartain, uh, Michael's psychiatrist and basically a successor to Doctor Lu- Loomis. And um, I didn't get it. Did you get a good vibe of him immediately, or did you kind of just think? Uh, I mean, he was kind of a scumbag. When uh, the moment. The uh the moment like he was first introduced, like I was like, oh this this guy seems kind of kind of interesting, and uh you know, uh oh yeah, one little moment that I forgot to mention, uh I love that I love that they have that little audio recorder of uh, of Loomis. That's right, yeah, and <laughs> yeah, wh- whoever whoever did the voice uh, did 
really good job impersonating uh, Donald Pleasance. I thought that was Donald Pleasance. Like uh-huh. that was, um, I thought that was like an old recording from like the previous, from like 1978. Like that mm-hmm. was an old, like, really? So you think that, so that was an impression of Dr. Lewis? Yeah, I know. Uh, I think it was some comedian who actually did the voice and I, I wish I had his name with me, but yeah, whoever you are, man, good fucking job. Um, I totally bought it. I totally thought it was an old recording. Like they got, they dug into, they took like a, a snippet from the original Halloween and just borrowed his voice. Yeah. I honestly thought, wow, I, I completely bought it. And, uh, as, uh, as the movie was progressing, you know, I was curious to see what they would do with him. And then they do. And it's terrible. <laughs> uh so for for some reason he has this obsession of trying to figure out michael's motive and they go way too fucking far with it to the point where he i'm assuming he's dead uh basically kills we'll see if he's alive in the next movie uh basically kills quote-unquote, Will Patton's character, and then starts wearing Michael's mask, and then shoves him in the back seat with Allison. That's fucking weird. And it's... I, I remember when that happened, I'm just like, what the fuck is happening right now? Yeah. And the fact that he just he dies a couple minutes later, which, by the way, was a really gnarly kill. Uh, but it, the whole time he was just used as this cheap plot device to bring Michael to Lori, which I feel like there was an easier way to do that. Like you could have just had Michael chase Allison through the woods and there you go. Uh, I don't know. So in knowing that that's where they ended up with, Every time he's on screen, it just feels like you're a waste of fucking time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say, I would say, um, well, actually, because we're neglecting it, um, backtracking a little bit. You want to talk about those subplots you're not a big fan of? Uh, sure. We have to address the negatives. It, it's inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I I just explained, you know, my my biggest one. Um, I mean, obviously, I I don't give a shit about the all the high school drama shit that happens. Uh, it leads to a great scene. Uh, I would say probably the the best the best fucking kill in the movie. I agree. The, the best suspense scene in in the movie. With uh, with the motion activated lights, oh yeah, that was oh, pretty tricky. That was awesome. Well, uh, no, I mean like it, you know what the you know what the you know what the moral of the story for that kid who dies though is nice nice guys do eventually finish last. Unfortunately, unfortunately, yes they do, because like the way he dies is just so fucking gnarly. And like gruesome. So basically, my so this nice guy, uh, basically, like so Allison's boyfriend, she finds out she he's cheating on her, and like the night her best friend, um, who's a dude, like 
you know, walks with her and like just walks home, walks her home. And basically, um, she, uh, he tries to make a move and, uh, Allison's like not having any of it and he gets all pissed off. And so like, she walks away and then, um, you see, it leads to that point where like he, where Michael finds him and, uh, he just runs the fuck away and leads to that motion, uh, light moment part of the chase. And then like, it leads to a, a spiked metal fence and Michael impales the fuck out of him on that fence. Um, it's pretty fucking gnarly. And, uh, I remember when uh, Allison comes back and she just seeing that visual of just the guy just stuck up on the fence on, on that. I think it's like what his head got thrown through this. His head got thrown through like one of the spikes is like through his jaw or whatnot. And like he's impaled through the jaw and up through his head or whatnot. Is that what it was? I don't, I don't quite recall. All I remember is, is the death was fucking brutal. And just seeing that visual was like, fuck, I'd hate to be that guy. Uh, yeah, that, that was some, that was some fucked up shit. So then, so then of course it leads to the climax, you know, it leads to, you know, where, um, she finds Will Patton, um, and the doctor and, uh, the doctor turns on them and reveals that like, I released him to study Michael out in the wild. And, uh, or at least orchestrated it backfires. He gets fucking killed. And, uh, and, uh, you know, Allison and her, she gets to her mom and they escaped. No, no, no. She escaped. No, her mom's already at the, at Lori's house. Like Allison makes her way. And then, uh, obviously fucking two sheriffs arrive at the crime scene and Michael kills him and takes their car. And, uh, Jeff, you want to take it away with that final climactic moment? Because I feel like you probably better explain this than I would. So uh, as the uh, so as the climax starts to kick in, uh, which, by the way, side note, it always kind of pissed me off how they uh, they 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 have no fucking reaction to or Karen has no fucking reaction to her husband being murdered, and so that that always. That was weird. So I, I hope in Halloween Kills that they kind of address that. Like, yo, my my dad died, or my husband died, or my my son-in-law died. Like, have a fucking reaction to something like that, man. Anyway, uh, hashtag justice for Ray. Uh, <laughs> uh, so it, be, it kind of turns into... Uh, Lori versus Michael Home Alone edition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, so, uh, so Karen and Allison are eventually hiding in basically like Lori's little makeshift uh, bomb shelter. I don't know what the fuck that's supposed to be. Uh, well, eventually they, they say what it, what it is, but, right. uh, but so it's basically, it turns into a little cat and mouse game for a while. And, you know, I like the moment where Lori walks into, you know, what looks like the closet that, that she was uh, backed into uh, during the first movie. Uh, it does a, it does a pretty good job of, you know, building up the suspense of, you know, shit, Michael could be around any corner. Uh, but then Lori has one of the smartest things I've, I've seen every door she takes every door or every room she checks out just fucking steel bars just pop up to block Michael from either 
entering or leaving. Like it's like, God, that's that's fucking smart. That's really fucking smart. And so that just makes me wonder, like, like what if Michael chose one of those uh one of those rooms not knowing those that would happen and then he's just trapped in there. He's like, Oh, well shit. That kind of throws a wrench into my plan. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so eventually, uh, eventually they start uh, having their little scuffle. And uh, there's a great little, uh, well, before Allison uh, meets up with uh, with her mom, uh, there's a great little, uh, great little throwback to the first movie where Lori falls off the balcony and then Michael, uh, Michael looks over, uh, uh, looks at her from, from above and then Michael hears Allison. He turns back, and then Lori's gone. Uh, there's a, there's a couple little moments like that that mirror the first movie, but it's putting Lori in Michael's shoes. Like right. there's that like there's that scene earlier where uh, you know Allison is in is in the classroom. And by the way, a uh, little piece of trivia: uh, you don't see her on screen, but the voice of the teacher that's uh, that's giving the lecture at Allison School is PJ Souls. Hi, PJ. <laughs> Call me. Stop it. <laughs> Love you, PJ. Uh, but so, uh, but then you know, once uh, then Allison looks out and sees uh, sees Lori. You know, that's obviously mirroring mirroring what you know the events of the first movie. Uh, so. Moving back ahead, the uh, uh, you know, little scuffle continues, uh, and then Michael starts to hone in on uh, on Karen and Allison, and uh, great little moment for uh, because for the most part throughout the movie, Karen felt annoying and useless, but then finally, uh, you know she she starts uh, starts saying like, "Oh, I can't do it! I can't do it! I'm sorry!" And then once Michael comes into frame she just says gotcha gotcha and then just fucking shoots him it's like oh that and then right, one of my favorite shots great. in the movie and then one of my favorite shots in the movie out of silhouette comes uh Lori going happy halloween michael yep and then just oh that that was cool it was really cool and then uh you know so then they they beat michael down in uh, into the cellar and uh then those steel bars come back up and then Michael's trapped. The whole time that cellar was designed to be a trap. Very a particular set of circumstances that would have to happen for that plan to work out, but fuck it, whatever. It it's cool. And then the whole goddamn house starts catching fire. And then all the all the show ladies, you know, they say, Alright, fuck this, I'm out. And presumably let michael burn but uh i don't think that's gonna go well in their favor <laughs> well no like well before we get to that but like no just to sh- so they uh, basically they, they they haul they uh they are they able to um get this truck off the side of the road to like pick him up and bring him back to town but like I like how the movie just kind of zoom. So like all three of them are in the pickup of the truck kind of reminds me of the ending of Texas Chainsaw Massacre a little bit, but like they're all there. They're kind of relieved. And like you see Allison's holding the knife and just ends on that shot of her holding the knife and then credits. And then you see 
and then you see um or the post credits is basically you don't really see anything but you hear <sighs> and, and, uh, and that's when it and that's when i got really pissed off like they're making a fucking other movie oh so actually uh before we wrap this up i would kick my i would have kick myself in the ass if i uh, failed to mention this so the moment that michael first sees Lori, you know when when he's on the upper level of the house and she's out on the street looking for him and mm-hmm. they lock eyes for the first time in that moment that's nick castle yeah nick i was reading that and and so that's quite literally the michael Lori reunion the original Lori, the original michael wonderful and the the mask breathing at at the uh, during the post credit scene that's also, also Nick Castle, right? Also, also Nick Castle. Wow, that's a beautiful callback. I mean, like, I think they're repri- basically reprising the roles too. Like, from what I see here, it looks like um, Nick Castle is going to reprise his role again, do- at least doing like the breathing and stuff again for yeah, yeah. Michael. I'm sure and for James sure Judy for, Courtney's coming back. Yeah, and uh, based off everything I've I've seen in the trailer, which you know, just like what happened with this movie, that I feel like the trailer showed too fucking much uh but don't all trailers do at this point in these days dude especially universal movies like Uni- universal's marketing department fire those motherfuckers because they oh, showed- I thought you're gonna say sony because sony's guilty of that shit like in abundance they've gotten a little better uh like like with ghostbusters afterlife they've done a good job with that so far uh but universal is god awful like uh i would say the worst example I've seen so far is Jurassic World. Say the Mummy. Oh, I Jurassic, you Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> they showed the whole goddamn movie in like three minutes, and ugh, that that's a whole other tangent. But I thought you were going to say the Mummy, where we basically hear. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome for introducing me to that, by the way. <laughs> uh, but so with. Um, but yeah, so everything I've seen in Kill so far, like that whole, like when Michael's uh, fucking up those firefighters, god damn, I can't wait to see that moment. Uh, but yeah, so overall, despite my despite my uh, you know little gripes with it, and you know not being the biggest fan of how Lori was done, and you know obviously there's repeated elements uh, rehashed from other sequels. I still think that this is a really well-made movie. I think it's a lot of fun. Clearly, Danny McBride and David Gordon Green wanted to do right by John Carpenter's classic because there is a clear love for the franchise behind behind the camera. You know, otherwise there wouldn't be all those great little nods throughout the whole movie. And it uh, it does a great job at making Michael scary again which he hasn't been scary for a long time unfortunately uh definitely uh i'd say the last time he was actually scary was uh, rob zombie's first halloween movie like uh yeah for all all the faults of that movie adult michael is really well done i i think um but yeah so, so james jude courtney wonderful michael myers it's great to see jamie lee curtis back uh 
I could have. It's great to have with... Nick Castle back too. Yeah, great, great to have Nick Castle back. Wonderful score by John Carpenter. Uh, you know, David Gordon Green does a does a pretty good job uh, directing. Has a really great shots uh, sprinkled throughout the movie. I could have done without the often out of place elements of comedy. Uh, you know, it's good to lighten the mood, but I don't know. It didn't always work for me. Uh, could have done without Dr. Sardines or whatever the fuck. Uh, I'm going to call him <laughs> Dr. Sardine because I'm an asshole. Uh, that whole plot subplot can eat shit and die for all I care. And it, it basically did by the end of it. So <laughs> hey, at least we got that kill. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's a lot of fun. It's uh, if you're a fan of the original movie, you can clearly see the the love behind it, and it's just great to see an iconic villain like Michael Myers come back in such a grand way. I'm very happy it was as successful as it was. I'm glad that critics and audiences had it seemed to have a great time with it, and uh, I mean, kind of regardless of how Halloween Kills uh, turns out, it's just. Michael Myers is just one of those characters that's just wonderful to see on the big screen, no matter the occasion. And I'm uh, I'm happy that this franchise is back in a very strong, effective way. And I I look forward to seeing what's next. Well, I mean, I basically have the same sentiments as Jeff in that regard. I mean, for someone who didn't really like watch, you know who wasn't like the biggest Halloween fan or like didn't watch any of the sequels. I'm like very, I'm very impressed with how this one turned out. Uh, okay. Maybe not impressed, but like, you know, I'm glad with the way it turned out. Cause like, uh, I feel like, um, I'm glad I actually kind of skipped all the sequels. Cause like, this is, this is genuinely pretty fucking good. Like I can definitely see it captures more of the original spirit of the original Halloween more. Um, and I, I, it's going i'm going from that perspective alone that makes me feel like this movie fucking pretty does a pretty good job in that part but you know i was going to say real quickly since you brought it up like you know with carpet we didn't really touch upon it but like i mean we did but like you know uh carpenter's score you know like it if you know he's using a lot of the same cues but i feel like it's an updated version of the original score like you know, oh, yeah. maybe a few things here and there, but like for the most part, it's just basically, you know, an updated version with like a few new, like still I, same synth and stuff. But like, you know, um, the original theme has basically been updated with a slight kind of tweak here and there or whatnot. Maybe I a little. fucking adore the the moment when uh, when Allison kills a kills her friend after after, you know, he tried coming on to her and uh you know, it's like that. You mean Michael kills your friend? You made yeah. it sound like Allison killed her friend. <laughs> oh no, no. Uh, that'd be a very different movie. Uh, yes, but would. then, but then Michael, uh, you know, Michael looks at Lori's granddaughter, and this great new theme appears, and you know, that's when uh, you know Allison's like, you know. Like screaming for help, you know, obviously mirroring uh, James, uh, what happened to Lori during the first movie. That that whole track, man, like uh, like 
check it out. Like it's uh the shape hunts Allison, I believe. It's it's a short track, but brilliant piece of fucking music right there. Uh huh. Well, I mean, yeah. So then, you know, you basically kind of gave your ideas, but like, you, do you have anything else you speculate that you kind of want to see in Halloween Kills? Because we will most likely, um, no, we are going to like, because Halloween, as of this recording, because um, it's October 5th, 2021, as of this recording, but like, I would, because like October 14th is when, or 15th is when, Halloween kills comes out. And so I'm like, so I'm like, you know, it's like next week or so. So I'm like, yeah. Do you have any, uh, do you have any hopes, expectations other than kind of what you kind of just briefly said, or are you kind of just, so I, what happens? I think this movie is going to, I mean, just going off the title, I think kills is just going to go all in and just be a fucking massacre. And I'm intrigued with uh, with the, the town banding together to go after Michael Myers and, uh, you know, having all these legacy characters come back, uh, most of them played by the their original actors. I think that's that's going to be great to see. Yeah, I saw uh, that uh, Kyle Richards, who played the little girl from the first movie, yep. coming back. I see. I see. Yeah, you mentioned that the original sheriff, Lay Brackett, uh, Charles Cipher is, is coming back to play Lay Brackett, and uh, yeah. Nancy Stevens, who played uh, played the nurse in uh, in that uh, beginning scene of uh, of the original Halloween, you know, where Michael steals uh, Loomis's car. Yeah, uh, which so is she, weird. I didn't think she'd be coming back for that. Yeah, so she uh, she's actually a, a recurring character. She uh, she appears in two and and H two O. Yeah, that's what I see here listed. But yeah, and I just thought that was a weird um thought that was a weird um thing. But yeah, all right. That's again, I'm I'm very curious to see how it's gonna be um done this time. I, I am too. And I uh I have a strong feeling that they're gonna kill uh some legacy characters. Um Do you wanna make any predictions? <laughs> um Well, I kinda see I kind of see Sheriff Brackett biting it. Um, yeah, I can it. too. I don't want to um, see that, but I think I, yeah, I, I think I, uh, I feel like that that'll happen. I think Nancy Stevens is going to bite the bullet. Um, and then, I feel uh, like either either Tommy or Lindsay will definitely die. One, one of, I feel like one of oh, them Tom, will. Oh, that's right, because Tommy is now being played by Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. Apparently, he was played by Paul Rudd at one point. Yes, um, he was Chris Michael Myers. Um, oh, that's interesting. I I don't know. I mean, like, oh, by the way, I've seen what Kyle Richards looks like now, and I'm like, for a 52 year old woman, I'm mean, like, damn, Ooh, she turned into, <laughs> uh, yeah, very hot material, very hot. Just gonna leave it there. <laughs> uh, I have nothing else for it to add on that part. Okay, well, I guess, um. Yeah, I don't really have any other speculations other than basically what you said. But um, yeah, um, I'm very much looking forward to Halloween Kills, and we look forward to talking about it when it releases. So yeah, I think that's, damn right. I think that's gonna yeah, I think that's gonna do it, everybody, for this week. So then, ladies and gentlemen, we'd like to thank you all for uh, listening to this installment for 
two nerds skis in a podcast. So be sure to follow the show on uh, Instagram, by the way. It's at TNAPcast. It's T N A T N N. No, blah, blah, blah. let me try it again. T N A A P C A S T. And then be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, like and comment on the videos there. In the comment section, leave suggestions for future videos or, I mean, future installments. And of course, we're also on Apple and Spotify. Um, those are the only platforms we are on at the moment. So uh, with that being said, that is going to do it uh, until we return to Halloween Kills. That's it for the Halloween franchise. Look forward to more installments of Horror Month later this month. October 2021. Until then, folks, uh, this is Eric. Was that like your Palpatine impression? <laughs> That's Jeff, for everybody. Please stay shiny and have a good one. Next level. Next level.